Good morning. If you have your copy of God's Word handy, would you be turning to John chapter 3? The Gospel according to John and chapter number 3, and we will meet there in just a moment. We're grateful that you are here and the time we can spend together in study. Uh, we're always thankful for our men who lead us in our services, but uh, appreciate Charles and the uh, time and attention he puts into picking out songs and to thinking about leading us in our singing. Always appreciate uh, Brother Joe's prayers, heartfelt prayers, and how much they encourage us and Jerry, Jerry's thoughts as we thought about the Lord's Supper for just a few moments. I uh, hope that you can, can focus. Some of you have started smelling that uh, smell of smoke a little bit wafting from up here. I, I think I need to clarify that I, I may take a little bit of blame for this. Uh, yesterday, I had an opportunity to go visit with Bill and Sylvia. I had a great time and needed to drop something off there, uh, but visited with them for a little while. And we were making the comment how uh, at various times when Bill had been up here before that things happened, you know, to preachers, whether it be birds flying against the, the glass, you know, when they first were putting the stained glass in or little critters, you know, or something. And I mentioned that uh, Hannah's dad has always had a story about a bee, you know, flying around one time and he's trying to swat at it and avoid it while he's preaching and still keep, keep preaching. And most of you are familiar with the story of one of the times, I believe, that, that Bill was preaching on either hell or the Holy Spirit and smoke started coming out from up here and so I made the statement yesterday well you know what none of that's happened to me yet and so maybe this is my fault I don't know I, I don't believe in jinxing people but uh, but I made that statement yesterday that nothing has happened while I've been up here preaching yet and of course uh, may have a little bit of a smell coming from the heat today but uh, hope that we can focus for a few moments through this we're glad that you're here uh, I do want to say as well we're uh, thankful always to see Marvin uh, with us when he's with us but you know we sometimes make note really only in our vacation Bible school period, you know, with our children, but we always give out a ribbon for the person who brings the most visitors, and I think Marvin wins that award today for bringing the most visitors with him, but we're thankful for all the family uh, that has been with Marvin and Ann, and uh, thankful they're with us this morning, and look forward to uh, visiting in just a few moments as we uh, conclude our services. If I ask you what you knew about John chapter 3, would you be able to, to tell me anything? If I just said, you know, John chapter 3, what, what would come to your mind? Well, for most of us, of course, and probably many people in the world, they think about John chapter 3 and verse 16. It's often called the golden text of the Bible, and rightfully so. It's such a, a beautiful passage that reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's great, and, and many people know it. Some people, many people can quote it even if people don't always maybe believe everything that it teaches. And we can, we can get into that in just a few moments. For some people, if you think about John chapter 3, you know the story, or at least part of the story, of Nicodemus. That's what we're going to talk about this morning is Nicodemus, who he was. We're going to ask, ask, excuse me, actually going to answer three questions this morning about Nicodemus, who he was, what happened to him, and, and what he was taught. And I think it would be encouraging for us to go back and think about exactly what takes place with this interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus. Very often, if you think about Nicodemus, you think about John chapter 3. But can I encourage you this morning, if you've opened up in your Bible, to go back to the end of John chapter 2. Because as we set the stage for what's going to occur as Nicodemus approaches Jesus, it kind of begins at the end of John chapter 2, beginning in verse number 23. Now, when he, that is, of course, Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in 
man. Now, of course, in our Bibles, our English Bibles, we usually have a break. We have a period. We have the end of some numbers, and we begin chapter 3. But what takes place here is that people are noticing the signs which Jesus did. And there's an interesting thought as we think about John chapter 3 and verse 16. And what we're going to talk about today with this interaction with Nicodemus, what's interesting to think about here is that people believed. People believed. But Jesus knew their heart, of course, or their mind, or what they were really thinking, and he knew that they had faith only. You see, there's this discussion about faith only or just believing. He who believes will be saved, and that's certainly true, that the Bible uses different ways of telling us what a person must do to be saved. But some people will hear that and they'll say, well, all a person has to do is believe. But isn't it interesting? At the end of John chapter 2, that there are people who are believing, but Jesus will not commit to them because he knew their heart and he knew that all they had was belief. All they had was faith. And so we begin in chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Who was Nicodemus? Well, there's some things that we know. First of all, this morning, we know that he was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. Man of the Pharisees, of course, is we have talked about the Pharisees very recently in some of our lessons about Jesus. We've talked about several things so far in the month of January this year about uh, different interactions that Jesus had. And this is another one where we see and read about what the Pharisees were doing and the trouble they were trying to cause. The Pharisees was a, a sect, a group of people who were, were very uh, strong with tradition Uh, We talked about that a couple of weeks ago in our sermon, but the fact that they would would ignore what Jesus is saying or they would be putting on uh, the right actions, but their heart would not be changed. And, And Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees. He was also a ruler of the Jews. We would believe that to be that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. You're familiar with that term, that phrase, the 70 or 71 uh, group of men who were uh, leaders in in Israel or of the Jews, I guess if you would say. Uh, They would rule and legislate on religious things. And, And we see them throughout John and really the accounts of the gospel as Jesus, they are seeking after him. And then as he gets before them, they're going to be trying to make these decisions. They're after him, so to speak. They continue to send people after him. So he was, we might say, I didn't put it in your notes, but we might say he seems to be influential. He seems to be a bit of a high-ranking official who was probably well-known among the people. Man of the Pharisees, ruler of the Jews. What else do we know about Nicodemus? Right here we know that he came by night. Now, I don't know if you're familiar, there are some uh, so-called spiritual songs maybe or or, uh, songs that people have sung over the years that talk about Nicodemus and Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. We see that at the beginning of verse number two, this man came to Jesus by night. So we know that. Now, one of the things that we don't know when it came to Nicodemus is why. Why did Nicodemus come to Jesus by night? Well, I'd be willing to say, we could go around the room maybe and take a survey, but I'd be willing to say if I force you to give an answer, most people are going to say, well, I've heard a preacher or a teacher say before that this man, Nicodemus, was a ruler and a leader among the people who are seeking to kill Jesus, and since he's a member of that, but maybe he's interested in what Jesus is saying, he's afraid. He's afraid of his peers. He doesn't want to be seen with Jesus, so he comes by night. 
And the answer to that is, well, possibly. I, I mean, I guess so. That's, that's one reason maybe why. In my reading and research and, and thinking about this, someone else said, you know, well, maybe Nicodemus came by night because it was the only time that he could really talk to Jesus, right? I mean, if you've read the gospel accounts lately, you recall as you go through there that he was constantly thronged about by people. If it were us, and we were not the son of God, of course, deity, but if it were us and our days went through like that, we would probably dread the sun coming up. I mean, right, because of all the people. You remember how hard it was. One of my favorite stories growing up was of the men, the man who could not walk and his friends bring him and they go to the roof and they tear a hole in the roof and let him down because that is the only way they can get to him. So is it possible that Nicodemus realizes that the only way that he will get an extended audience with Jesus or a time to speak with him is by doing it at night? Well, that's a possibility as well, I guess. So we might say that while we know a few things, there are also a few things that we don't know. Let's look at this passage just real quick. We won't read every verse, but you may recall that in verse number two, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus is saying that he, they recognize, or at least he recognizes, that Jesus is a teacher or a man from God. Well, why is that? Well, hearken back to the end of chapter 2 and notice that it was because of the signs. Nicodemus must have been a person who observed these things, and then he believes that Jesus is, notice very carefully, a teacher or a man from God, unless, you, uh, unless God is with him. He is not going so far as to say that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, but he does recognize that only a person who is with God or God is with him is able to do these things. And so Jesus answered in verse number three, said to him, most assuredly, I don't know which version you have in front of you, but I have the new King James that says most assuredly, you may see truly, truly, or verily, verily. There's a whole lesson we could do on the times that Jesus uses this particular phrase. And if you'll notice, he does it again in verse number five. And, of course, this simply means that this is an important teaching. This is something, hey, listen up. Most assuredly, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is confused, of course. We're familiar with that. Verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered him again. Verily, verily, truly, truly, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's go through verse 8. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone, so is everyone who is born of the spirit. We'll stop there except for just to note that in verse 9 Nicodemus still does not seem to quite quite be comprehending what Jesus is saying. So we ask again, how can these things be? And Jesus leads into more discourse. We'll talk about it again in just a moment, quite possibly, but notice that verse 16, John 3:16 comes in the middle 
of that. It's not a standalone verse. It's not highlighted as the greatest thing that Jesus ever said. It was all important, but it comes in the context of him speaking and answering these questions of Nicodemus from verse 10 on down through verse number 21. Then the answer includes, because we will come back to this in a moment, verses 14 uh, and 15 with even an a reference, an Old Testament reference, if you will, going back to Moses and the serpent that would be lifted up. And Jesus says, even so must the man, the son of man be lifted up. So we know a little bit about Nicodemus here, but let's notice as well then, what was he taught? Well, I would suggest that many people could answer this. Nicodemus was taught that you must be born again. Now, it's interesting, if you do a little bit of the word study here, you kind of go into the Greek language and think about the way it was originally written. The word that's translated here can also mean born from above. Born from above. That also brings some interesting thoughts to us as we consider that. This new birth is from God. One must be born again, or he might could also say born from above. Most people like the idea of being born again, or, or excuse me, I guess I should say, like the idea of using that phrase, because we think about Jesus does go on here to talk about that there should be two births of a person. In a sense, there is a person is first born physically, and he's saying now you must be born spiritually. A person must be born again, but it goes on. I don't think I included it in your particular outline unless you're taking further notes, but Nicodemus is taught as well after he asked the question about entering into his mother's womb again. He's, he, then Jesus answers and says to him, one must be born of the water and the spirit. The new birth of which Jesus is speaking is possible by being born of water and the spirit. You know, Sometimes when we don't go further into this particular account, Jesus, we don't notice, but Jesus actually agrees with Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus asks this question, which to us we take as kind of being, I don't know about sarcastic, we'll come back to this in just a minute at the end, but, but kind of not understanding, and he talks about entering into his mother's womb again, but Jesus agrees. He says in verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. He says, you're right. That which is, deals with the physical birth deals with the physical birth, but that's not what I am talking about here. And let's notice together that one of the key teachings as we think about being born again and born of the water and the spirit here is a formula, if you will. It's a formula. What we think about when we think about being born of the water and born of the spirit as we think about partaking in this new birth, just as those in the New Testament could do, we see that the Spirit, being born of the Spirit, would carry with it the idea of the Spirit's teaching. We think about the fact that Scripture is given to us by God, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so how are we to be saved? How are we to enter into the kingdom where we are to be born of the Spirit, or we might say the Spirit's teaching? But as well, there's the idea here of water. One must be born of water. And you know, sometimes when people disagree on Scripture, we talked about this over the course of a couple of lessons, but many people will go through, we might say, mental or word or spiritual gymnastics to get to a particular answer out of Scripture. 
They'll flip and they'll flop and they'll turn and they'll do everything to make a passage say what they want it to say. And this is one of those places where you can find people who will tell you something different here than what Jesus is saying in in John chapter 3. But we notice that there is a formula of the Spirit's teaching, hearing what the Spirit says, and baptism, of course, of water being immersed in a watery grave just as, as Jesus was buried, rising again just as he rose again, and then one can enter into the kingdom. That is the answer that Jesus gives in verse number 5 to Nicodemus' second set of questions, or, or I guess the, the first time that he asked questions there after he first speaks. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Another thing to notice here of importance is that the, is the word accept. In this case, and even with us today, in our English language, the word accept means if and only if. You see, as we talk about things that we might disagree on Scripture, some people might say, well, I think Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he was afraid. He was afraid of his peers. Okay. Well, I think it might be just for some other reason. Okay. But one thing that we cannot disagree on, we must agree on, is that Jesus says here, if and only if one is born of water and the Spirit. That is how we can enter the kingdom of God. But you know what? That's not the only place. I have a chart that I'm going to put on the screen, and, and I, we're going to, I'm going to go through the passages, hopefully not too quickly. If you'd like this, because it's going to be hard to see and maybe get down, but I can always get you a copy of this. But you see at the top there, if you can make it out, John 3 and verse number 5, Jesus is teaching there. But look at the other passages, and you can see the columns line up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, Paul would say, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. We see that the Spirit's teachings are involved there. We are baptized into of the body. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 and 26. If you're familiar with that, that is the passage on husbands and wives, right? Talks about how husbands and wives should t- treat one another. But it says in verse 25, husbands loved your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word the instruction is there the washing of water and then a person is cleansed titus chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5 paul would write to titus but when the kindness and the love of god our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved he saved us how through the washing of regeneration And the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And Mark chapter 16 verses 15 and 16 that you are familiar with. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel. Gospel teaching. The Holy Spirit's teaching to all the world. To every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Notice that this formula that Jesus lays forth here is then taught by inspiration of the Holy Spirit later as these men would write. 
Even as Jesus says again in Mark 16 there, verses 15 and 16, the encouragement that it is by the teaching, it's not by predestination that we're just chosen. Well, you're chosen and you're not chosen. I'm sorry. Good for you, bad for you. That's just the way it goes. No, a person can hear. Hear what? Hear the word. Hear the gospel teaching. Hear the Spirit's instruction. They can be baptized. They can be born again of water. And they can be cleansed. They can be saved. They can enter into the body. They can enter into the kingdom. And notice in verse number 8, if you're back in John chapter 3, whether you turned away or you might turn back. John chapter 3 and verse number 8. Jesus concludes that section of speaking to Nicodemus by saying, The wind blows where it wishes, but, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Notice here that Jesus speaks about the wind. And he says, when you see the wind, you don't actually see the wind, right? What you see is the effects of the wind. You might hear the effects, but you see. You see trees blowing or moving or you see paper going along the ground. You don't actually see the wind, but you do see the effects of the wind. And what he's saying here is he talks about one who is born of the Spirit is, you know what? When a person is baptized for the remission of their sins and they come out of the water, you really can't see it on them, right? I mean, they're not any whiter per se. We talk about being white as snow, having our sins washed away. They're not any whiter than they were before. A, a person who is black, uh, black-skinned or brown-skinned does not become white. A white person does not become whiter in a sense. Some people, you might have heard this said before, but some people say, well, you know what? I don't see any sins floating around in the water. You know, where are those sins? Well, you don't see the sin floating in the water when a person rises again and their sin is still there on the top or something like that. But you can see the effects of a person who is born again, who is born of the water and born of the Spirit. You can't see someone born of the Spirit, and in that sense that you can physically see it, but you can see the effects. They should be changed. They are changed. You might, a person might walk in, you might see him again after a week or so, and you might say, you know, something's a little different. You seem a little happier. Maybe they're not speaking the same way they once did. Maybe they're telling different jokes than they once did. You might see it in a sense but certainly we don't see it on their skin or the dirt being removed from their flesh as we talk, talk about. But notice this is the formula that Jesus gives. And one who is born of the Spirit, you maybe can't tell with a halo over their head or something like that. But you can see the effects just as we can see the effects of the wind. So that's what he was taught. And it applies to us today as we think about this chart and these other teachings. But what happened to Nicodemus? You know, I told you at the beginning some things that we know. There are a few other things that we know. And he's mentioned two other times in the gospel according to John. It appears that the faith of Nicodemus grew over time. Maybe it didn't blossom to its well known among the people. But it appears that his faith might have been there. And yes, it appears that it might have even grown over time. We know two more things in these accounts of Nicodemus that we read about. In John chapter 7, really the whole chapter there is kind of the, you know, the continuation of the story. In verse number 32, the Pharisees, there they are again, heard the crowd murmuring about Jesus, about these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. They dispatched the police, so to speak, the guard to go after him. And so in verse 45, these guards... 
these that they send after them, these officers come back empty-handed. And, and the Pharisees and the chief priests say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you back here? You don't have him with you. Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered and said, no man ever spoke like this man. And how true that really is. The Pharisees answered them, verse 47, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. And in John chapter 7 and verse number 50, we know it's Nicodemus because John gives us the parenthetical statement that it is him who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, being one of the chief priests or the, the one of the members of the Sanhedrin here, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? We know that, or we can assume maybe that Nicodemus' faith grew because here he defends Jesus. It's almost if you can imagine the scene that they're gathered around, they're angry, they're upset. The officers are sort of cowering in fear because they know they didn't do their job. The anger, the discussion is ratcheting up and getting louder and out of the shadows. Maybe from the edge comes Nicodemus with a bit of a quiet courage. And he simply says, hey, you guys are out of line. Because we, in our ruling, and our laws, allow a person to defend themselves. Are you not going to do that? And of course, they turn to him in verse 52 and say, are you with him? Have you sided with this Jesus? And of course, they're just kind of trying to drum everyone up into a, uh, into a fever pitch there. But Nicodemus comes in John chapter 7 and defends Jesus. Now let's look at John chapter 19, because the second, or I guess I should say third time that we read about Nicodemus in John's account here is John 19 and verse 39. And Nicodemus, and John says it again, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came with who? Well, with Joseph of Arimathea from verse number 38, who had asked to have Jesus' body that he might bury it properly, put it in this tomb. Nicodemus also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. We might surmise again that we don't know for sure, but it's possible that Nicodemus was wealthy. He's able to purchase maybe these things and to bring them with him. But the other thing that we know about Jesus, or excuse me, about Nicodemus is that he helped with Jesus' burial. We see that he came to Christ in chapter 3. He spoke for Christ. In chapter 7, and he honored Christ in chapter 19. We may not know great details about his faith, but it does seem like he grew a little bit over time. And while we know these two accounts here from John chapter 3, chapters 3, 7, and 19, if you, if you turn to chapter 19, stay with me there for just a second because I'd like to challenge you for just a moment with a bit of imagination. Think about again what we said in John chapter 3. In John 19 and verse 18, it says, where they crucified him, as we talked about just a week or so ago. We know that Nicodemus interacted with him or about him two more times, but imagine with me for just a moment the crucifixion. As we said, John chapter 19 and verse 18, there they crucified him. What did that entail? Well, as we've mentioned in the previous sermon, one thing that it was going to entail was the raising of Jesus up. Can you imagine Nicodemus 
standing there possibly on the edge again, a back away from everyone watching. And as he sees Jesus lifted up, he goes back to John chapter 3 and verse 14 in his mind, where Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, as a Pharisee, as a member of the Sanhedrin, when Jesus says that in John 3, Nicodemus would have known what he was talking about. But at the same time there in John 3, Nicodemus is probably saying, what is he saying? What is he talking about? I don't get it. He's standing here in front of me. Why is he saying that the Son of Man must be lifted up? And yet, can you imagine in John 19, that light bulb going off as Nicodemus standing there sees Jesus be lifted up and maybe remembers exactly what he said? Or can I take you a step further to John chapter 19 and verse number 30? As Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, John said, he cried, we might also read. We might also imagine he screamed or said there in the moment in his suffering, it is finished. Can you imagine Nicodemus standing there hearing those words and remembering what Jesus said about being lifted up and things finally just coming together for him and understanding exactly what Jesus was talking about. Hopefully he did. I have to think that he probably did. He remembers coming to Christ, defending and speaking for Christ in honor, and then he's going to honor him after that moment. As we conclude the lesson here, let me ask you to consider one more thing. Why did Nicodemus not understand in John chapter 3? Right? We, we give him a hard time. It's kind of like Thomas. I think I've told you this before, but some people get really frustrated because we give Thomas a so-called bad name because he doubted, and we even call him Doubting Thomas. We can kind of get a knock on Nicodemus and say, why wasn't he getting it? Why didn't he understand what Jesus was saying? In particular, when Jesus says in verse 3 that you must be born again, why does Nicodemus ask those two questions? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And in fact, you notice in John chapter 3 and verse 10 that Jesus even seems a little bit, not put out, but he just kind of corrects him, maybe gently reprimands him by saying, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? So why is it that Nicodemus did not understand? I saw one writer offer up three particular choices here. And see if you might see yourself in these or have seen yourself in these before. Some people say that maybe Nicodemus was being sarcastic. Yeah, who are you talking about being born again? Can I enter again into my mother's womb? He's being sarcastic to Jesus. But somebody might say, but you know what? He becomes a believer. He's already believing a little bit because he has seen these signs. So that doesn't quite fit. Maybe though, maybe secondly, he was dim-witted. Like spiritually speaking, maybe it didn't just connect. We see the apostles sometimes not, not having things line up. And so maybe he was dim-witted, but I would also submit to you there, he was spiritually minded. I mean, he was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, so he, he kind of understood some of these things. So I don't know that it was just that he was too dim-witted and couldn't comprehend these spiritual thoughts. But someone even suggested maybe what Nicodemus is saying is, well, I'm simply too old. You know, that's the first question that's mentioned there. He kind of suggests this idea, I'm too old. I have come too far. I am too late in life. I cannot go back. I've done too much. Have you ever treated Jesus any of those ways? Either sarcastically, 
answering what he said sarcastically? Have you ever maybe just kind of missed the boat, needed someone to help you, to teach you the things that Jesus had said? Or have you ever thought, well, you know what? I'm too old. I've lived this way for so long. I've done too much in life, and I cannot be changed. I cannot be born again. I cannot be saved. We are thankful for God's simple plan of salvation that is extended to us even today. As long as we have breath in our lungs and blood and our veins that we can continue to live, we have an opportunity to respond to the gospel invitation. As we think about those things that Nicodemus might have thought, maybe those have crossed your mind before. Maybe you thought, I can't be changed. I can't be saved. I've done too much. I've come too far. It's not for me. We are thankful for God's simple plan of salvation, and we extend heaven's invitation to you in just a few moments. As we sometimes say, it's not that the water is magic. It's not that the preacher is magic, that the elders are magic, but that we are simply sharing what the word of God says. The one who is the righteous judge, the one who has told us how we can be saved, the one who has said you must be born again, being born of water and of the spirit. You can do that this day. Maybe as you see this on the screen each week, you have questions, you'd like to know more, we would love to study with you as soon as possible. Maybe you're here, and, but you've, you've done that, but you've wandered away. Maybe as a Christian, you've allowed sin to enter your life, and you've struggled with the things of this world. You've turned your back on God, you've separated yourself from Him, and you stand in need of forgiveness again. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that we have to be baptized over and over and over again, but of course, we are thankful for God's second law of pardon, that we read about in the book of Acts, how a person who is a Christian can repent of their sin, confess those, certainly before God, but even before a crowd such as this, and pray for forgiveness, and God is willing to do just that. We are thankful for that opportunity. You don't have to leave wondering with questions on your mind, worrying about your life. You can either be born again, born of water and the Spirit, being baptized, allowing the blood of Christ to wash, Christ to wash away your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church, or you can come back to him. We are thankful to be assembled together as a body to sing this song that's been selected to encourage you, even now as we stand together and as we sing. Good afternoon. There was a, a copy of an outline or information for you. Does anyone need one at this moment in here? Clayton had a couple extra up here. Clayton, Miss Judy, hey, over there. We can always make this available, and if you lose it, then by all means, you know, we, we have it saved. We can get you some information. Uh, but you'll need that in just a moment. Uh, this afternoon's lesson is going to be a little different than normal uh, as we try to um, have a few moments of Bible study per se. You will need your Bible in just a moment as we begin, uh, but then we're going to talk about some practical things, and I don't, certainly don't think there's anything uh, wrong with that, with encouraging ourselves and, and trying to uh, make us aware of things that would be helpful to us. As Charles uh, led us there just a moment ago, wonderful words of life, that's what we're concerned about. We're concerned about what the Word of God has to say, how we can study it, how we can better understand it, um, how we can have our questions answered, and that kind of thing. And so that's what this, is, this lesson is going to be uh, designed to, toward this afternoon. Uh, Miss Janice Ritchie was the, one of the main ones. A lot of you have asked these kinds of questions before that said, as we had talked about some different things that a few of us listen to or look at or go to for answers, she said, you know, I'd love to have a list like that. And so uh, Charles and I kind of go back and forth a lot. He shares with me things he reads and I do the same or things we listen to. So we just kind of took that and put it together in the list that you have in front of you. Uh, and I'm going to give a few caveats and things, suggestions as we get into the list in just a moment. But let's do talk about a, a couple of biblical principles uh, to kind of set the stage for us as we begin. Uh, number one this afternoon, if you have your outline in front of you from this morning, I did give you a few, few 
blanks to fill in, and a word of caution. And that word of caution is that no human source is perfect. If, you, if I give you this list, it's a list that I enjoy and people that I like to listen to and I believe do a good job of looking at the text and understanding what it's saying and then sharing that with others. However, I want you to know that if you came to me within the next month and said, hey, do you, does this sound right? Do you think that's what this passage means? What do you, you think? I would really actually not be surprised because no one is going to be absolutely perfectly correct on every single thing and somebody might say something that might cause you just to say, well, I'm not sure if that's what that is saying. When I read that particular text or I have that question, then I think a little different about that. And so, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's possible for sure. Uh, just like I tell you, and, and why I wouldn't be surprised is I tell you as often as I can think about saying it, but you should not take everything I say as 100% absolutely true, never doubt, never question. He's got it memorized. You just take it, what, what he says. No, you need to check for yourself to look at the scripture above all and see what the Bible has to say about a particular matter. So, you know, I I want you to know that no human source is perfect. And while a lot of these people and websites and things that are on this list are good and are helpful, we have to realize that, that when we're going to others, we still need to go back to the word of God to see what God has to say about the matter. A few passages for your consideration that are familiar to you. Uh, first of all, by the word of God, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. As we think about 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. My usual encouragement, I guess I should say, my usual encouragement with this is that you would be surprised how many questions would be answered when you go back to the Bible. Because I'm afraid what a lot of people do is they think that it's an old book written long ago that doesn't apply today. And when they talk about how to handle their finances how to deal with people who are causing trouble, how to do, do this or do that, how to take care of ourselves, how to ensure you know, we have a long life and here on this earth and those kinds of things. We think, eh, the Bible doesn't really have anything to talk about that. Okay, it's not going to give you a 14-day diet plan per se for your health, or it's not going to tell you exactly the categories to break your budget into, but it's going to give you good principles. All things that pertain to life and godliness. You would be surprised, maybe, maybe you wouldn't, but lots of people would be surprised when they have a problem or a situation if they would go to Scripture and look for answers that you'll probably find something to do with it there. It's not going to give you the exact answer of how to handle this situation maybe in that moment, but there are a lot of things about how we behave, how we think, what we say, and what we do that are covered in Scripture, and that is encouraging to us as we think about the power of something that's so readily available. You know, that's the other thing. Uh, You can find it anywhere nowadays. You know, you can have it on your phone, your iPad. You know, you got it in front of you. You can have it in different translations, whatever you like. But we must not forget the power that is there in that. Uh, Number two, both of these next couple of passages will come from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, you may have thoroughly furnished, again, depending on the version, for every good work. We can be complete. We don't have to wander through life with our arms out like a person that's blind and can't see, just feeling our way and hoping that we get it all figured out and together. It doesn't mean that life's not going to throw us curveballs and we're going to have issues and problems, but we can be complete and we can be, even as we talked about a moment ago from Peter, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped. 
ready for all that we need to be ready for as we think about this idea of it's by the word of God. And then from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, we must be by the word of God approved to God which requires diligence. Diligence. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, again, version may say handling aright, the word of truth. People have some differences, even as we talked about this morning. We might differ on why Nicodemus came exactly to Jesus by night, but there are other things in which we can stand firm in the truth. We can, with diligence, be approved of God, which is all that matters. Unfortunately, we, we crave love, we crave acceptance, and so so many people on this earth go to so many different sources for that acceptance and for love and for someone to show them attention and affection. But above all, we can be approved to God. We can be a person who is accepted by him because we are examine, examining the truth. Now, before we get into some of these uh, study aids, that the list that we've kind of put together for you, uh, a, a couple of caveats. Again, nothing is perfect. Uh, you must discern as you read something what that is saying. One of the best ways to do that is to sometimes get different sources. We have a great library in here full of lots of different commentaries and things. You are more than welcome to come and take this list and look at it and use it to maybe try to help you answer a question, but then come to one of the elders. Or certainly you can always come to me and we'll talk about it. And so you must discern uh, and, and try to understand what it is you're after as you examine certain passages of Scripture. A couple of other suggestions. Uh, there are lots of good options. We could have spent all afternoon. I got a little overwhelmed myself beginning to make this list. This list is not exhaustive. exhaustive. It's not total. Uh, in fact, just this week, uh, just in passing, just this week, I had a preacher friend who suggested to me a new podcast that I had not listened to ever before. He said, it's great. And I went and found it. And there's like 60 episodes already that I'm trying to catch up on. I'm never going to catch up. But listen to the first couple. I even found one uh, questions and answers. You know, one of the questions was about fasting. One of the questions was about being baptized for the dead, which is what Jerry kind of mentioned a reference this morning in class. First Corinthians chapter 15. I mean, some of these things are people say, well, I have questions about that. Why does the Bible say that? There are lots and lots of good options. Brian even uh, tossed out me right before. He, he's involved with the work at the International Gospel Hour. We have supported that work with Jeff Archie. They do podcasts and do YouTube videos. We support Good News Today. Uh, of course, Brother Jim Dearman's not heading that up anymore. But Mark Teske and some of those that uh, speak on those programs you know, involved with podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, and lots of websites. I hope to not overwhelm you, uh, but try to give you some different sources to find maybe answers to your questions. The other thing I would say is that some of the ones that I picked out in particular, and as Charles and I talked about this, is uh, some people who are kind of posting almost daily or, or weekly maybe than some others. There are tons of brothers and sisters in Christ who write, blogs or websites where they write good articles uh, you know some of these are a little more pointed to people who might give you answers to specific questions maybe as opposed to there's well there's lots of encouragement you ladies I mean you know there's lots of ladies who write there's lots of preachers who write it could go on and on today but of course for the sake of time uh, we'll jump into this list that we have uh, got for you this afternoon I have several slides with some of the websites and or pictures, you know, logos, that kind of thing, so you can see it, but we will work our way just down through this list here. 
Uh, Some of you talk about evangelism. How can I study the Bible with someone? What if somebody has a question and I want to talk to them about becoming a Christian? What can I do? Well, most of you are familiar with Muscle and a Shovel. I think Mr. Shank had been here before many years ago. We recently studied When Shovels Break. Uh, And so you can take a look at both of those books. Of course, as we looked at When Shovels Break, that's for a different category, right? That's not an evangelism tool. But both of those together make a a, a good combination that you can study with someone. Uh, It's great to read somebody's story. Some of you have said, some of you have watched the Jewel Miller film strips. I mean, I didn't include that on here. Some of you have watched all those things and you say, well, that's great. But then some people say, well, I like a good story. I don't mean to be, you know, to, to downgrade or anything. But in, that, in Muscle and a Shovel, of course, Michael Shank tells his story. And you can read it that way. A newer book that you may be familiar with is called Trans- Transformed, A Spiritual Journey. It's written by Lance Mosher. I, I didn't even recognize. I've been reading this recently. And he was in Henderson, uh, moved to Henderson about the time I was there. Um, lived there, went to high school there while I think I was at Freed. But it's the same kind of story. And I have really appreciated this because he, he does the same thing as muscle and a shovel. Here's what I did. Here's what I was thinking. And here's the person who studied with me about what the Word of God really has to say about baptism, about instrumental music, about these different things. And here's how I came to know the truth of the, of the Bible. So you can find these kinds of things, of course, at the Christian Family Bookstore. Find them online, Amazon. A lot of this you can just Google. But if you, would want, if you enjoyed Muscle and a Shovel... I would encourage you to add transformed to your list because it's very similar, but a good thing. A little cup of wisdom. Some of you are going to, these are going to, you know, may, maybe fly right past you if you don't use YouTube a lot. <laughs> Some of you say, this, this is not good for me. Uh, but this is about a, an 8 to 10 video series. All of them are eight, about 8 minutes or less. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, you, it doesn't hold my attention. You know, 10 minutes in, I'm falling asleep. I'm thinking about something else. All of these are about eight minutes or less, and it's the same thing. It's the story of a young man by the name of Tucker who was converted later in life, and it's exactly what he went through. It shows him, this is a little more of a visual, as it's YouTube, of what Muscle and a Shovel and Transformed are, but it shows him on his wall. He's putting up sticky notes. This is what this person told me. This is what the Bible says, and he's just going through, and he's seeing how it doesn't always match up. And so if you do use YouTube and would like to see a visual format of some of these things, he has titled that A Little Cup of Wisdom, and it is very encouraging to maybe show to someone. Some of these are things, that you know, with muscle and a shovel that you can hand to someone. You can send them the link and say, watch this, and let me know what you think about it. Maybe we can get together and talk about it. And then the Back to the Bible series, this three-booklet series, I didn't bring any up here, but we have some in our library. We have some in Faith's office and the secretary and elder's office in there. Um, I've considered doing this. A, a lot of the places will go through these in a class format that we'll, we, could look, we could look at them in class and go over them and let you see how you use your Bible to look up the answers. The ones that are in the library have a note on them that we put on there that says, by all means, take one home. Take it home with you and use it. But we you know, like to maybe since we have to purchase them and all and, and want to keep some in stock, maybe just use it and go through it yourself. Put your notes on another piece of paper and then just bring them back for somebody else to look through. But this is one of those things that we bought a lot of these, I think, in February, maybe of 2020. And then March rolled around and, you know, things kind of came to a halt. And that's very sad, but we want you to know they're there. And you, you just don't get any plainer than to sit down with somebody with these and they open their Bible, you open your Bible, and you answer from Scripture. You never once have to say, my preacher said... You never once have to say, well, I've heard somebody say, look at what 
going back to the Bible has to say. So if you know someone that is interested in studying the Bible or you want to talk with somebody, please uh, avail yourself of any of these things here. And by all means, look at them yourself as you think about leading into it. Uh, some of you like school. Uh, some of you hate school. If you're like me, I got out of school and I said, I need a break. I don't want to go back and get my master's or doctorate or anything. Uh, the next section is titled School simply because these are schools, classes that you can take. The Harbinger, this first one, Harbinger Theological Seminary is what I had gone through recently as I was doing my counseling classes that I'd share with you that I was taking. You're not going to be able to see it, but on the screen here in the top right-hand corner, it tells you some of the categories that they use. Their, ca their classes are in apologetics, counseling, leadership, New Testament, and religion and missions. And uh, there are several men, they're beginning to continuing to add to this, uh, who teach. It's on Zoom right now, Zoom only. It's how they do their classes. You log in one night a week for about three hours, of course, taking a little break during class, but about three hours, one night for about 13 weeks or so, or well, it's a lot of been seven weeks, I guess, seven or eight weeks. And once you finish the class, you can get a certificate. And if you gain, like in counseling, there's about six different classes that I needed to get through to complete that course of study. Some of you say that is no interest to me. You know, you, you may be. maybe a way for you to not have to go somewhere. And right now, this has been free besides having to buy your books. Um, but, you know, it can just spur you on maybe to further discussion. But it's called harbingertheologicalseminary.org. And they are run by the Nashville Church of Christ uh, and several of uh, the preachers and ministers and fellows. They have different teachers, some teachers from Faulkner, some teachers from Fried Hardeman, uh, other preachers who are involved with teaching these different classes. And it can be very encouraging if you like that. You're familiar with the Chattanooga School of Preaching and Biblical Studies. Uh, this is going to be the closest, of course, in a sense for us. If you're interested in going to class, uh, Amanda and Gabe aren't here this a afternoon. Amanda had to leave and, and Gabe is at work. But they and their girls, they've taken their girls a lot. Uh, on Monday nights, there's three classes usually, a 7 o'clock to 8, 8 to 9, and even 9 to 10 if you can stay that late. Or is it, does it start at 6? Can you, do you remember? 7? Seven, 7, yeah. All right, starts at 7 o'clock. There's three classes usually. Uh, and they cover a variety of topics. If you want, you can take each one, all three. You can also just show up. You can show up and sit there and listen, and you might, you know, learn about a particular book. You can also take it for credit uh, if you want to. They'll you know, give you memory verses, give you tests on some of the information, and so you can take it for credit, and you can graduate. Some of you know Brother Richard Twitchell, uh, who is a member at the Lake Hills Congregation, where I, I preached for several years before coming here. I think he's like a three-time graduate of this. He just keeps going over and over and over again. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in the fall. Uh, Brother Roger Campbell that runs that had called me a few weeks ago and asked me if I would teach this fall, and I'm excited. I'm really excited because I'm teaching Joshua, and the kids are about to kill me because that's what we're studying right now in Bible Bowl for lads to leaders, but I'm going to be ready to go. But the class that I'll teach will be Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, all three of those books. And so, again, you can take it for credit. You can take it just to come and listen, uh, but it is very encouraging nearby. If you come when Freddie, uh, my father-in-law Freddie teaches, you usually get Freddie bread. That's always a big draw. He might give me some to bring with me. I might need to work that into my contract. Uh, I can bring some Freddie bread and help bring people in. But, uh, you know, between classes, there's time to sit and just discuss. And so that, that's good. Uh, podcast. Some of you like to listen to things. Some of you don't. I've started listening while I'm driving. Some of those things, maybe you can listen to your car or through your car 
uh, system, you know, through your radio system. Uh, I think Charles likes to do it sometimes when he's walking on the treadmill, uh, does that, just has his phone sitting there or computer sitting there. So a podcast is an audio recording. A lot of these overlap. Some of these people are recording live on a video, but they can also make it audio, kind of like Brian takes, well, the guys and Brian take our lessons, and you can find them on podcast as well as on YouTube and watch. Um, Brian says he just likes to listen to me because that way he falls asleep that way. He doesn't have to watch. Um, but that's, yeah, that's it. You can do that. The Light Network is a great series of podcasts. Uh, podcasts that deal with a lot of different things. You're not going to be able to make out all these small thumbnails, but you can see the variety of options that they have. Uh, some of them, there's even one that's kind of fun. They've done in the past, it's kind of a, it's called late night, but just a, a chance to kind of look at some silly videos or, or laugh and have a good time. But most of the other ones are very serious. There's a, one about preachers and training, one called bountiful about money situation and your finances. Some of these update weekly or monthly sometimes they take a break and and don't post for a while Uh, today with Jesus is one that uh, brother Robert Hatfield that runs this does with Dan Winkler a lot of you have enjoyed the Winkler's work over the years and that's one that Robert and Dan sit down and talk about various questions Uh, and so that can be very encouraging they are starting some of these are starting to go video where you can get on YouTube and watch Robert and Dan, sort of through a Zoom kind of thing, um, talk, or you can listen to it in your car. And again, finances, preachers, fun. The one down here called Wifey Wednesdays, uh, you know, some for females, some talking about Jesus. Uh, the Hey Joe Show, some of you know uh, Joe Wells is uh, aimed mainly at teens, young people. So there's something for uh, everyone. Uh, the Authentic Christian is a newer uh, thing, a newer podcast, and they've gone video as well that's connected with the GBN work. That's the website that's listed on there, gbntv.org. Uh, but there are several good brothers that are a part of this, answering some hard questions, some apologetics even type questions, some questions about the Bible, uh, why the Bible is the Word of God. And so um, they, again, a lot of these podcasts go through seasons. They might go two months where they post once a week, and then they'll take a break. Then they'll come back and go two months and post every week, and then they call you know call those seasons like a season of TV. Uh, so they go through different seasons, uh, and but a lot of that stuff is archived where you can go back and find it. Uh, it's three guys typically that sit around a table and will talk about some of these tough questions, bringing their thoughts, handling the Word of God, thinking about what Scripture has to say about some of these, and uh, just well done. I, I, some of this is not that other things that are out there again, not that other things are not well done. Uh, but, you know, just a lot of good, good material that you can enjoy. And they are kind of mainly aimed at podcast or listening. A couple of blogs or websites that uh, mention, um, mention for articles. Radically Christian is one uh, by our brother Wes McAdams that preaches out in Texas. Uh, Wes does a lot of questions. He does a lot of um, themes, if you will looking at one particular book in a short article or maybe one question from a book in a short article, looking at questions that deal with baptism or music and worship or things like that uh, that will challenge you probably a little, little more. Um, and so I think that's very good, radicallychristian.com. And then a legacy of faith or thefawnfamily.com. They have changed names a little bit through the website, uh, but Adam and Leah Fawn do this. I know this is one that uh, Charles and Shannon for a while during the pandemic had started a little bit of a podcast club for some of us as a kind of like a book club, and they had recommended several from the Fawn family that deal with marriage, that deal uh, with children, with families, raising kids, finances, 
uh, just any number of things. They're involved with Lads to Leaders. I've used a lot of uh, their stuff before. Adam will put out things about the book that we're studying, and I can borrow that and use it with our kids. Uh, and so it's just very, very encouraging. The picture for a legacy of faith mentions they do have a newsletter. A lot of these have newsletters that you can sign up for. But if you're like me, then your inbox gets so full that you can't even tell what you're getting anymore. Uh, but it's certainly they'll send you updates as they post new things. Um, and when, you, when it comes to the blogs, I'll just say again here, this is one of those things that I could have gone for days. Uh, days and days about good folks who, uh, who write and encourage. Some aimed at questions. Some aimed at just encouragement. Families, marriage, whatever. Uh, just lots and lots of options there. Uh, on YouTube or video, we have used some of the World Video Bible School. This is a shot of their uh, YouTube page, and you begin to see uh, some of the things that are discussed there. You, you could probably spend the rest of 2022 looking at just the World Video Bible School um, YouTube page. There's, there's videos about Israel, about like the, you know, what we call sometimes the, the Bible land, uh, that you know, people who've gone over there, Gary Massey, Newton, you know, kind of around our area has done some of those. Gary's done some about courtroom and the trial of Jesus. Uh, dinosaurs, we shared some of those, some of the Kyle Butt uh, material we shared. Um, if, when we canceled services a couple weeks ago, we shared some of the Kyle Butt and Eric Lyons material on dinosaurs. We shared uh, Don Blackwell and Glenn Colley's material on elders. Uh, lots of lots of good things there. I do want to mention to you as well, I wrote website down there under number five, letter A. I was even playing around with their website this week and noticed that they will put you through some classes, uh, some school that you can go through, and you can take them at your own pace and, and come through at the end having studied all this. And so that's a great thing as well. Uh, the big one that I wanted to share with you, uh, one of the big ones is PTP 365. We have shared this a lot. One reason why is because our elders pay for this one for us and I think it's worth it and we can I gave you the username and password there you can log in you can get your information set up I think it may still be that you end up with your own is that right Brian do you remember I think once you log in with ours they will ask you to enter your own so then you would then log in you know I made ours as the Danley family and I made my own password so you would kind of create your own account you can make your own list you can save videos that you want to watch later uh, even Hannah mentioned something to me a year or so ago about prayer, and I went in and found several videos on prayer, lessons by ladies on prayer, lessons by preachers on prayer, and tried to make her a playlist and showed her right how to do it, because sometimes I have to walk her through exactly how to, how to get there. I give her a hard time about that. Um, but I, I walked her exactly how to find it. You click on this, and boom, there are all these videos, six or seven. And I want you to know that I'm thankful our elders do this, and, and I get worried sometimes that we'll lose track of it, but go there. I think you, these you can download as well to like an audio form that you can listen to in your car. And so you can put some of these on a thumb drive or something like that and play it through your car as you're driving. And just wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful material. One other one, write this down before we get to the last one. I did want to add this one in. Under video there, you might say digital Bible study. And one reason why I wanted to share that one with you is because they are posting multiple times a day. Charles and I talk about that a lot. Uh, there's sermons every night. <laughs> there's videos in the morning. There's sometimes a morning devotional. Um, there are, I mean, they're constantly, there's a Truth Tuesday uh, session. There's ladies' sessions now. All these things, digital Bible study. They have a Facebook page. They have a YouTube page. Um, and it's just Jonathan Jenkins. 
I think he was out of Florida, and then Eric Owens that preaches down in the Avondale congregation in Georgia, not Avondale here, but Avondale in Georgia. Eric Owens run that together, and you will not want. <laughs> you will have too much to do if you start trying to work through those. So please think about digital Bible study as well. All right, real quickly, there's several websites down here. Uh, Jerry, if you want to talk about Christian Courier, you grab Jerry. Jerry and I love to talk about the Christian Courier and the, brother, uh, the work that Brother Wayne Jackson did for so many years. And his sons now are continuing that on in his death after he has passed away. I try to take a shot of the website. There's articles. There's also a search bar. Uh, but look at these editor's choices. Is lust fornication? To lust after someone, is that the same thing as fornication? Was there forgiveness under the law of Moses? Uh, feigned miracles and gullible people. Talking about some of these TV people who, you know, put their hands on folks and heal them, so-called healers. Uh, is that true? Is that fake? What is it? The ostrich, not as dumb as her critics, even getting into apologetics or animals. Uh, what is the eternal sin? And then never man so spoke, as we talked about John chapter 7 today, those officers come back and they say, never have men so sp a man so spoke like he does. And so lots of good uh, articles there. This is going to be where you're going to find a lot of good answers when it comes to worship, baptism, passages that you are not familiar with. Uh, Focus Press, Brother Brad Harib. Uh, you know that I get the, well, I don't, I don't get them. We get them here. Um, but they're Think Magazine. I take them to my office. Uh, but you're always welcome to get copies of those. They also run a blog that posts once or twice a week sometimes. This was one of the articles that was on the front there. Three things the churches of Christ do well. Kind of grabs your attention. Well, what is that? What does that mean? Most of them are very short. Might take you five minutes. But Focus Press uh, is, is very good. And then Apologetics Press is a different uh, website, but similar in some of the work that they do. Don, is that what you're primarily using, some of the Apologetics Press stuff? Uh, Don's teaching our, our teenagers or preteens now, middle school age kind of kids, and has been using some of this to talk about apologetics, to talk about uh, the body, to talk about dinosaurs, some of these things that interest them. And once again, you go here, you can search for that. You can find videos, articles, um, where, where dinosaurs on the ark. Where, you know, were dinosaurs real? The, lots of things that people maybe scratch their head about. Um, let's see. The third article here says, do we find human and dinosaur fossils together? The bottom one, who cares for the fleas? Have you ever asked that question before? I don't think I have. But, you know, if you're interested in that, you can go find that. Who cares for the fleas? Apologetics Press. This is the newer one. Uh, Brother Dean Meadows, who now works in the Virginia area, uh, the Daily Apologist. I preached on apologetics Maybe that was 2020, 2021. I want to do it again soon, maybe take about a month and preach about apologetics. Uh, is eyewitness evidence bad evidence? You know, sometimes in court, they don't want eyewitness evidence. Why? Because when you think you see something, you might get it wrong. You might say, well, that person had on a red shirt that, that ran by as they ran away from the bank. Well, did they have on red or did they have on blue? Well, I can't remember exactly. What does eyewitness evidence have to do with, with the gospel, with Christ, and kind of how that has to do with the Bible? I need apologetics, but where do I start? This also has a school, that, uh, so to speak, school that you can sign up for, and then you can, I signed up for it, I've not started those, but anybody can. Watch a video, short YouTube videos, you print the questions, you answer them as you watch the videos, and I'm telling you, you have a, a lot of information to work through. Uh, you're familiar with the Gospel Broadcasting Network, gbntv.org. Videos are archived on there, you can watch it live. GBN has a YouTube page that you can find old lessons that are on there. 
by, by many different good people, uh, good brothers that are preaching there. So GBN, of course, is a great one. And then Charles reminded me one to add to my list is house to house, heart to heart. Most of the tracks that, tracks that we have in our library in here, the track rack that we have, uh, a lot of those are articles on here. Uh, you know, let's see, don't, sh don't short circuit your prayers. Did the disciples steal the naked body of Jesus? You know, that's a question. People say, oh, well, they came and took his body. They rolled the stone away. They took his body. He didn't really resurrect. They just stole his body. Uh, suggestions for Bible reading. A house is not a home. Talking about family. Uh, you know, there's lots of, of, uh, of material there that will, if you just search, you can find a lot of good things there. By the word of God, we must be approved to God, which requires diligence. Uh, with the word of God, we're not with excuse. With the word of God, we can read and study. But one of the good things that's come about even before the pandemic, but of course, is the internet, which allows us to share information freely, freely as in openly, and also freely as in very often freely, uh, free for you to look at and to listen to. And I hope that you maybe will take at least something from this and use it and by all means, check it. By all means, come to us. Come to an elder. Come to me. Come to one of our deacons. Ask the questions. Let's talk about it. Let's find out if these things are so. Let's open the word of God and understand exactly what it says about these things. As we conclude our lesson, of course, as a matter of convenience for us, we extend heaven's invitation again. It's not that it's any less serious, simply that maybe the lesson doesn't quite flow into that. But the possibility exists, even with a crowd of this size, that someone is here this afternoon who has never named the name of Christ, never been baptized for the remission of their sins, we would be singing to encourage you. As was said this morning, both in prayers and songs, it's the greatest decision that a person can make to become a child of God, to have that home in heaven. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you've done that, but you question it. Not because of what God has done, excuse me, or because of what Christ has done, but because of your life. Maybe you've separated yourself from God because of your sin. We're thankful for the chance to make it known. If you'd like to come to the front and make it known publicly, we would love to pray with you in a public kind of sense. But we don't want you to leave with those questions on your mind. You can make it right even now as we stand together and as we sing.